Hello, everyone, and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of shortwave station WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida, I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 586 for release on Sunday, May 17th, 2020. On WaveScan today... Paraguay on Shortwave, Part 3, After the War. Jerry Plummer will be joining me from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, to talk about the recent HFCC conference and our Bangladesh DX report. In 1970, Arthur Cushion, the noted international radio monitor in New Zealand, declared that the most difficult country to hear and to verify on shortwave in South America was, without doubt, Paraguay. He made his statement in his October 1970 report in the Australian magazine Radio and Hobbies, and he mentioned that during the previous 35 years he had been able to hear and verify only three shortwave stations in Paraguay. Cushion's 35-year observation covered the entire history of shortwave broadcasting in Paraguay right up until that time in 1970. Thanks, Jeff. In our WaveScan program a month back, we left the story of shortwave broadcasting in Paraguay and South America in 1943, which was just after the middle of World War II in Europe. At that stage, there were only three shortwave stations on the air in Paraguay. And these were Radio Nacional ZPA1 in Asuncion on 6265 kHz with 3 kW, which began in 1942, relaying medium wave ZP1. There was Radio Teleco ZPA3 also in Asuncion on 11870 kHz with 1 kW, which had begun in 1937 as a relay of medium wave ZP3 and Radio Encarnacion ZPA5 in Encarnacion on 11950 kHz with 5 kilowatts, which began in 1943 as a relay of medium wave ZP5. In our program today, we return to the shortwave scene in Paraguay, and this time we pick up the story from the war years onward. Back then, as always, each shortwave frequency carried the programming of a station which was primarily on medium wave. Even Radio Nacional, the intended external radio service from Paraguay, carried most of its programming from their medium wave service. Call signs in Paraguay during the wartime era were regularized, with medium wave call signs beginning with the two letters ZP, followed by a number, and short wave call signs beginning with the three letters ZPA, followed by a number. In each case, the number was the same for each pair of transmitters, medium wave and short wave. So, for example, as previously noted, the call signs for Radio Nacional medium wave and short wave were ZP1 and ZPA1. The short wave broadcasts were at best irregular due to shortages in sufficient financing, as well as inadequacies in reliable equipment and the unavailability of adequately trained technical personnel. 
In addition, most if not all of the shortwave stations in Paraguay were operating at less than their license power level due to the high cost of electricity. And then too, sometimes a shortwave station in Paraguay has gone silent for a lengthy period of time, only to be revived again when the equipment has been refurbished or new equipment has been installed. To complicate the shortwave scene in Paraguay, on several occasions, a specific call sign has been reissued due to change of ownership and or change of location. In any case, though, the station title or slogan is far more significant to the radio listeners in South America than is the official call sign. As would be expected, Radio Nacional on shortwave has experienced a very long lifespan, with two-thirds of a century of on-air service stretching from 1942 to 2009. During this lengthy era, Radio Nacional underwent several major developments, including changes in location for both the studios and transmitters, and also variations in the application of its call signs. Another long-time shortwave station in Paraguay was Radio Encarnacion, which was launched by Jaime Yankovic of Radio Belgrano LR1 in Buenos Aires, Argentina, in 1943. Radio Encarnacion, both medium-wave ZP5 and short-wave ZPA5, was installed at Encarnacion, a regional city that's located in Paraguay right at the southern border with Argentina. The programming for Radio Encarnacion was generally an off-air relay from Radio Belgrano, LR1 in Buenos Aires. The original medium-wave transmitter, ZP5, radiated 5 kilowatts on 920 kHz, and the original shortwave transmitter was a 1 kilowatt unit made by Philips in Holland that was tuned to 11940 kHz. The shortwave transmitter was withdrawn from service in 1975 and it was subsequently replaced by a half kilowatt Paraguayan-made Telectron transmitter 11 years later, in 1986. The shortwave programming from Radio Encarnacion on 11940 kHz was finally closed during the year 2002, at the end of half a century of on-air service. Shortwave broadcasting in Paraguay began in the years 1935 and 1936 with the inauguration of half a dozen low-powered stations, each of which carried the programming of the parent medium-wave station. The shortwave broadcasting era in Paraguay ended with the close of Radio Nacional three-quarters of a century later in 2009. But that's not really the end of the story. We'll have more about Paraguay on shortwave in an upcoming episode of Wavescan. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you very much, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. Last week, Jerry Plummer of WWCR in Tennessee and the Caribbean Beacon in Anguilla was with us discussing day two of the HFCC A20 frequency conference in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Here's part two of that discussion. Now, did, have you had any frequency collisions for Caribbean Beacon or WWCR? Yes, yes I've had. I had one with uh, the Caribbean Beacon this morning, is yesterday afternoon, uh, and it, it was with. Uh, as I'm, I'm old school, I still the BBC. It was with uh-huh. the BBC or what is it? Enlight now? Uh, or, uh, Encompass. Uh, Encompass. Yeah. yeah. 
but I was able to go right back to Leon and talk to him about it, and it was fixed within five minutes. Wow. So yeah. that, that's that's what this, these conferences are that's all about. That's exactly what it's about. So what happened? Did they move? Did you move? Yeah, they moved. <laughs> uh, it actually, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know if the listeners we've ever told them, but these collision lists that they print daily, and you, you can look at them, you know, on the screen too, but it shows who's hurting who, mm-hmm. you know, who's hurting who the worst. And not only is it same frequency, but like five away, like, mm-hmm. you know. Adjacent channel. Yeah, adjacent yeah. channel. Yeah. And uh, this one was uh, was hurting me pretty strong. Huh. And uh, that says that, uh, and, and of course, it has the numerics on it of, of what, when you registered, I was number seven out of like 8,000. So it, it, it was registered early. Mm-hmm. And the BBC was like number 7892. Mm-hmm. So when I showed it to him, I, I said, you know, I, I kind of was here first, mm-hmm. you know. And, and he, he said, yes, yes, uh, I'll change it right now. Wow. That worked well. That's good. Now, you yeah. know, if it had been, if it had been uh, nine hours time difference and 6,000 miles, it probably would have took several days to get that done. Uh-huh. But we were able to get it done in about five minutes. Wow. And with uh, WWCR, have you had collisions? No, but uh, one of my first things tomorrow morning is I want to look, because, you know, a lot of times our FCC representative uh, looks at all those. Uh, but we do have access to that, so uh, I know she's probably busy because she's had our FCC representative is, with the time difference, when we're working here, it's like 9 to 3 in the morning there. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and I, I know that she's aware, though, of this conference going on oh, here yeah. and of the time differences. And, and our FCC people have been really good about trying to stay up <laughs> at strange hours oh, and work yeah. from home yeah. to, in order to uh, help us. Uh, there, was, there was ones I saw that came out from about, at about 2 o'clock in the morning, Washington, <laughs> D.C. time. Wow. So, yeah, they're, they're trying. And I'm, I'm certainly appreciative of that, but it still didn't beat the one-on-one. Yeah. You know, right, right, uh, right. So, so yeah, I mean, there's some work work getting done. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think we can both agree that it's not going to work totally as well because of the lack of the some of the people here. But yeah. it's still it's still at least positively running. And when we had a couple of additional uh, people come in today here at the conference, we had mm-hmm. two from Algeria showed up. Yeah, the, yeah, our Algerian. Uh, they've been they've been re- very regulars at HFCC for many many years. And uh, one from, um, uh, an additional one from Indonesia. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I thought that's who that was. Yeah, yeah. So there are two now from Indonesia. Well, do you remember, uh, regarding the Algerians, do you remember when we had the conference in Istanbul a few years ago? Yes. uh, it was snowing there, you know. That's during, right, yeah. yeah. And he had never seen snow before. <laughs> and uh, he was out on top of the, the, like, 28th floor and just making snowballs and stuff. He, he had never seen it and never seen snow. That's right. Yeah. I remember, and there was somebody who fe- actually fell down in the snow, slipped and fell. S- somebody did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I remember that. I remember yeah. that. Well, there's no snow here in Kuala Lumpur. It's about uh, 90 some degrees Fahrenheit in the 30s um, uh, Celsius. Uh, Celsius. It's like 96 and 73. We've got a heat index of over 100 on a daily basis. And we, we had to have them just now um, turn on the air conditioner yeah, here in yeah, this room. Okay. Well, I think uh, it was last Saturday night that. Uh, uh, the four of us, you and me and Tyson and Lynn, went to, uh, went out to supper. And it was like maybe 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. 
when we had stopped, we stopped and looked at some shops and stuff, you know, the little side shops. Mm-hmm. It had to be about 90 degrees even then. I think so, you yeah. Know. That's, but that's, I think, pretty much year-round here in the I Lazer. think it is, too. Yeah, I think it is, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just in passing, I, I guess anybody that's ever been to Asia knows uh, if you're a fan of fruits, this is the place to be. There is no doubt, you know. In, indeed, and one of the big fruits produced here is something called the dragon fruit. It sure is. It sure is. I didn't know what it was. I've been eating them all week, but I didn't know what it was until you were showing them to me. Uh, it's a sort of a white fruit, but it looks like little speckles of pepper in it, you know? Yeah, exactly. They're, they're little seeds, I think. And some of them are white, some of them are purple, purple as well. Yeah. Well, and you showed me the tree they that they. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like a big cactus tree. Yeah, yeah. And they grow them because uh, we went under the countryside the last time we were here, maybe about an hour from Kuala Lumpur, mm-hmm. and and there's just fields and fields and fields of these dragon fruit wow. trees. See, they look to me like huge Christmas cactus. You know, they're, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, and apparently, the the flower then turns into the actual dragon fruit. Oh, I think I, that's I think, right. I yeah. think that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know what they good, were. Very good tasting, no? Oh, yeah, they're great. And I saw you had them. And I said, so really, I've been eating this all week, but what is it? You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. So at the coffee breaks here in the uh, at the conference, uh, they've been serving us uh, dragon fruit. Yeah, dragon yeah. fruit. Well, I mean, it's, you got fresh pineapple, dragon fruit, uh, papaya, mango, uh, watermelon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's amazing, you know, and we're talking January, February, you know, that you've still got fruits like that. That's you know? right. A little different from uh, Nashville, huh? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you're kind of lucky, though, in, in the Florida area. You you get some fruits pretty well, I think. It, I'm just wowed because where I am in Nashville, it's like 25 degrees, and the only fruit I see is coming out of the frozen food section, you know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> well, but they've, they've done us... Uh, done as well i noticed uh, i know that you have thanked nadim and the abu group uh, uh, the asbu uh, excuse me group for putting this together so effectively so quickly and, and they've uh, here in the hotel um they've also um, introduced us to uh, some interesting food as well for the coffee breaks and the uh, the lunches and yeah. the breakfasts even oh, yeah, for yeah. breakfast you can have japanese miso soup yeah you can have um this uh, spicy spicy noodles or uh, yeah, yeah for breakfast uh, if you want them you yeah, know like a yeah. sum dim or something like that yeah uh, there's a lot of different uh, in addition to the fruits and stuff uh, a lot of different things that uh, I really chicken curry is big chicken here. curry mm-hmm. chicken curry has been pretty interesting. and a lot of things that I can't even pronounce the names and. I really don't know what they are when I look at them. <laughs> They're pretty good, though. But some of them are really good. <laughs> some yeah. of them are good, yeah. Um, although spicy sometimes. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I have noticed it seems like it's generally speaking more spicy food here, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely, yeah. Uh, than others. And, and then they have a, a spicy peanut sauce, which I like. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I know what you're mm-hmm. talking about, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but they do have a lot of different types of foods <laughs> here uh, that you think. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, we can talk about it tomorrow, but we're... For the first time in Kuala Lumpur, uh, for several times, we're going to actually have a group dinner tomorrow evening. Mm-hmm. We're a, we were able to put that together somehow, and I suspect that we'll see some different things uh, there, too. It's, uh, yeah, it's at a Spanish restaurant. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. Spanish. Well, I think that you and Thais, though, uh, uh, were able to converse pretty effectively with mm-hmm. the... Uh, 
a food and beverage manager. Because, he's from Spain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you said it's a different type of Spanish. It's more of a well, Latin. Well, he's actually Latin. from the Canary Islands, oh, okay, which belong okay. to Spain, but they're off the northwest coast of Africa, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they speak sort of a Latin American Spanish. I see. So yeah. that, that probably helps you guys converse a lot. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I was yeah. able to that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we'll have that for the uh, delegates tomorrow. And I'm sure it's going to have some different things in it. Uh, certainly having Spanish food in Malaysia is, is a different sort of thing, right? You know? That's right. Okay, so it's been a, uh, an exciting day, too, here at the uh, HSCC Global Coordination Conference. Uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, sounds good. I'll talk to you then. That was Jerry Plummer speaking with us there at the HFCC A20 Conference in Kuala Lumpur. More from that conference next time on WaveScan. Some news from Argentina now. RAI, Argentina to the World, says it is now producing special programs in all eight languages during the coronavirus crisis, while all RAI employees are working from home. Previously, they had a one-hour program with eight different language segments. They say their employees will have to continue working from home for the foreseeable future. And LRA 36, Radio Nacional Arcángel San Gabriel, from the Argentine Antarctic, has begun regular weekly programming each Wednesday from 1400 to 1600 UTC on 15476 kHz. It's all in Spanish, and it's also streamed live on Rai's website. During times of emergency and crisis, radio hobbyists worldwide Turn on their radios and tune to the shortwave radio spectrum for context, perspective, and insight into what is happening around the globe. As tensions heat up in the world's hotspots, you can follow these events on radio, and you need an accurate and comprehensive radio guide to hear the action. Well, Teak Publishing has released Global Radio Guide, the 14th edition, for summer 2020. It's an e-book, available on Amazon.com, by Gail Van Horn. Teak Publishing co-founder and Global Radio Guide author Gail Van Horn says that for this 14th edition, they have brought back the popular SDR Buyer's Guide and expanded their coverage of software-defined radio information by popular demand. Van Horn says, SDRs are truly the future of our hobby, and DXers need a source they can trust for information on this booming industry. The coverage of SDRs, or software-defined radios, in this edition of the Global Radio Guide includes direction-finding HF stations using the SDR.HU network. Tom Witherspoon takes an AirSpy HF Plus discovery into the field and shows us how we can truly operate a portable receiving station. There's also an introductory article on software-defined radios, an updated SDR buyer's guide, and an in-depth equipment review of the new SDR Play RSPDX. Well, beyond SDR information, this Amazon electronic book is your ticket to travel the global radio bands. The heart of this publication is a 24-hour station frequency guide with the latest summer 2020 schedules for selected AM, longwave, and shortwave radio stations. This unique resource is the only radio publication that lists hour-by-hour schedules that include all language services, frequencies, and world target areas for over 500 stations worldwide. There are listings of DX programs and Internet website addresses for many of the stations in the book. There are also entries for time and frequency stations and a few other intriguing shortwave radio stations. 
Well, now in this 14th edition of the Global Radio Guide is an article on monitoring worldwide weather facsimile transmissions on shortwave. The Spectrum Monitor's Fred Waterer checks in with a feature on summer shortwave radio programming. This edition also has introductory articles on traveling the world via shortwave radio broadcasts, monitoring the shortwave action bands, and a completely updated Teak Hot 1100 Plus Worldwide Utility Station HF Frequency List. You can find this edition of the Global Radio Guide on the Teak Publishing website at www.teakpublishing, that's T-E-A-K publishing, dot com. The 14th edition of the Global Radio Guide ebook is electronic only, no, no print edition is available, uh, but the publication is available worldwide from Amazon.com and their various international websites. Now we're off to Bangladesh. Here's Salahuddin Dalar with his DX report for this month. Dear listeners and radio hobbyists, welcome you to Bangladesh DX report of this month of May 2020. This is Salahuddin Dollar from the beautiful city Ratshahi, Bangladesh. Glad to be back and thanks for listening. The receiving log of different radio stations which I monitored. April 28th, Transworld Radio India Bhospuri language program was heard at 1400 to 1405 UTC on 13745 kHz. The SIO rating was 444. Religious talk was heard. KBS World Radio in English World News was heard at 1405 to 1410 UTC on 9785 kHz. The SIO rating was 444. Sometimes jammed by a Chinese co-channel. Voice of America, Cambodian Language Service at 1410 to 1415 UTC on 11695 kHz. The SIO rating was 454. News by OM was heard. All India Radio Hindi Language Program was heard at 1415 to 1430 UTC on 9380 kHz. The SIO rating was 333. Was aired. April 29th, Radio Japan English Language Service World News was heard at 1400 to 1410 UTC on 11830 kHz. The SIO rating was 3 to 3. The SIO rating was 444. A lady discussed about the coronavirus situation of the world. China Radio International Hindi Language Service was heard at 1647 to 1651 UTC on 7395 kHz. The SIO rating was 555. The listeners' phone in program was aired. Our friends, Mr. Pradeep Chandra Kundu from Agartala. Tripura, India, monitored few stations at his home. Here are the details. May 5th, Radio New Zealand International English Music Program was heard at 1308 UTC on 6170 kHz. The SIO rating was 232. Vatican Radio Malayalam Program with beautiful devotional song was heard at 1515 UTC on 7320 kHz. The SIO rating was 444. Radio Tehran Arabic program. The Holy Quran recitation and explanation was heard at 
বাংলাদেশ to Endway Scan today, music of Paraguay, the Paraguayan harp. This is Nicholas Carter playing La Partida. Thanks for listening to Wayscan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, we return to the radio scene on the islands of Vanuatu in the South Pacific. We'll have more from the HSCC in Malaysia and our Australian DX report. Several QSL cards are available for the program. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for WaveScan to the AWR address in Thailand and also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa or to IRRS Italy or to the AWR relay stations that carry WaveScan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in the program. They will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. The postal address for AWR QSLs is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanon, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. That's Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanon, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondence to Wavescan, not reception reports, is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone. <laughs>